0: Donald Trump made history again this week, but not in a good way. Hi, everybody. I'm Gloria Moraga. This is the Political Woman podcast. I am the political woman. Please follow me, please subscribe, and please share. The former president pleaded not guilty on Thursday, August 3rd to charges that he conspired to remain in office despite his 2020 election loss. Just as a reminder, this is Trump's third indictment this year. He was indicted in New York. He was indicted in Florida. And now he's in Washington. Trump appeared before a judge in a Washington courthouse, not far, actually it's just a short walking distance, you go across the street and up the hill, not far from the United States Capitol, where his supporters rampaged in an effort to undermine the peaceful transfer of power. Trump is running for president again. He's lost before. Here are his runs. Trump has officially run as a candidate for president four times. I didn't know this. In 2000, in 2016, dark year, 2020, and now 2024. He also unofficially campaigned in 2012, and he thought about a run in 2004. To say that he always wanted to be president is putting it mildly. In addition to all of that, of all the losing, 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 he also lost the popular vote in 2016. He lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton but he won the electoral college vote and he became president. Now, why is he running again after all those losses? If he's a millionaire, why doesn't he just enjoy his time? Here's why. He's running because he wants his supporters to pay all these legal bills for all the misdeeds that he's done actually all his life. And that's what they are doing. New documents show that he's using the money that he begs people to give him after he's indicted on one of these charges that are nobody's problem, nobody's responsibility, but his own. He's using those small donations to pay his lawyers. He's running again because he wants to avoid going to prison. He thinks he can pardon himself or get out of all this mess if he becomes president again. And who knows what will happen if he becomes president again? He wants to be sworn in on the Capitol steps, that his followers soiled. He wants that again, which is just right across from where he was yesterday. He stood before a federal magistrate judge who asked for his plea to the four counts he faces, and he replied, not guilty. I'll just go through the charges again. I posted the indictment on GloriaMoraga.com. I have it on the home page. If you click on the photo on the home page, it will take you to the document. Please read it. It's fascinating. This is important. Here's why I say it's fascinating. I look at all the things that were done by Trump and his lawyers, the unindicted co-conspirators. And I wonder how we missed the bullet on this. Because it's like, what was he doing in the White House? He was working on this for the longest length of time. He didn't deal with COVID like he dealt with this stuff. And it's amazing to me that all of our checks and balances, despite the fact that he's stacked the courts with right-wingers and stacked the Congress, that for some reason the Congress is just all for him, no matter what, the, the Republicans, it didn't happen. I thank God for that. When I look at all the possibilities where things could have gone wrong for us, it's amazing. That's my takeaway from the documents count 1 conspiracy to defraud the united states count 2 conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding count 3 obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding count 4 conspiracy against rights and the right that talking about in the indictment is our right to vote is making sure that our vote counted was counted which they tried to stop. So in this episode of Political Woman, I'm just going to briefly describe what was going on outside the courtroom and what went on inside. Now, I viewed multiple feeds yesterday from C-SPAN and various news outlets. And for the inside of the courtroom, I'm going to read some of an article published by The Hill. And I will include a link And I will try to link to that and have a page of links on my website, GloriaMoraga.com. Outside, it's clear that law enforcement have been preparing for this for weeks. But a couple of days before the arraignment, we started to see the really highly visible signs. Now, the day before the arraignment, there was a bomb scare at one of the Senate office buildings, which are located just right across from the Capitol, just right across the street. And not far from this federal courthouse. That bomb scare turned out to be a hoax, but they still evacuated. They ordered staffers to shelter in place, and they did all of the things as they searched. So the barriers were up, and there was a lot of law enforcement presence. There really weren't that many people, and they had just the average. People, not reporters, not lawyers, just blocked off. They were across the street. So there were just a few scattered clusters, pro and con Trump people, both sides. Here's what I wanted to say. I I did record Trump leaving New Jersey, Bedminster, his golf club there. And I did record the plane flying into D.C., and and other things, and I watched C-SPAN the whole time. Since so, C-SPAN was interviewing, average people were calling in, and they were interviewing. They interviewed one of Trump's lawyers, and I post these videos because people like them. People don't live this and breathe this like I do, and they like seeing what's going on. They like an update. But do I think that we're too obsessed with just everything this man does? Yes. Yes, I do. Will I not show him? Well, I try not to run his sound bites unedited because I think he's dangerous. And I don't think you should just give him the microphone. That's why I post. People want an update, they want to know what's going on. And it's important that we keep focused on the importance of the upcoming election and the importance of making sure that we know what's going on and that we get out and vote. One of the videos I posted yesterday was one that I liked the most. It was Trump looking, dejected, walking to get into his limo, his SUV limo. And then I showed President Biden, who's on a short vacation, because there have been pictures of him at the beach. He was on a bike ride with all his Secret Service detail biking behind him. You know, and a reporter yelled out the question, which is something I used to have to do. What do you think about Mr. Trump's arraignment? You know, he just biked by as happy as can be. Look at the video. It's great. And it's on TikTok and on YouTube. So what was it like inside the courtroom for Trump's arraignment? You can read the full story. It's a really long story on in the Hill. I'll, I'll put the link in. So here's a quote from that article. Courtroom 22 at the D.C. Federal Courthouse has seen its share of defendants over the years, but never a former president. That changed Thursday afternoon when former President Trump entered and proceeded to be arraigned on four criminal charges stemming from his efforts to remain in power after the 2020 election. The Hill was one of the few outlets selected by a random drawing You have a seat in the courtroom and witness the proceeding in person. Reporters were ushered into the second-floor courtroom about an hour and a half before the arraignment. Law enforcement officers required all electronics to be turned off before entering the room, basically cutting the reporters off from the outside world. As the wait began for Trump's arrival from New Jersey, the four-row public gallery in the back of the courtroom and the jury box filled up with law clerks, court staff, sketch artists, and even a few members of the public. And then she describes one member who was there. And his question was, what, what does Trump look like in person? Now, this guy was hired by the Associated Press to wait in line outside the courtroom from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m on Thursday to save a spot for one of the Associated Press reporters. And Hill says this is a practice that has become the norm for many major news outlets at trumps arraignments. Wow. (laughs) In in the old days, like when I did it, we'd have to do it ourselves. So after uh, this average guy gave up his seat for the Associated Press reporter, he took a 90-minute nap and then headed straight back, and he got himself a spot. He was one of the first five members of the public in line who got a seat. Now, seated on the opposite side of the courtroom in the back row were multiple federal judges who serve on the court. And the Hill goes on to name them all, which I will spare you. The district court judge who has been assigned to be in charge of this case did not attend. District Judge Judge. Tanya Chukan. I don't I hope I'm not mispronouncing her name. I'll look it up again before I before the trial. Now the judges that were there have all presided over January sixth cases previously, so they are veterans of all of what those scumbags did in our capital that day. And their appearance, the judges' appearance, was unusual. People have said that they've never seen this happen. There were also multiple members of the magistrate judge, Maxila Upadayaya, who presided over the Trump arraignment. Her relatives were also seated in the gallery. I hope I'm not mispronouncing her name. Now, Trump came in and then he sat down and then he whispered with his lawyers as they waited, primarily with his attorney, Blanc, the two men appeared to crack a few jokes to each other, laughing at times. Trump spoke quietly. Only a few short phrases were heard in the gallery. They were forced to change, Trump was heard saying at one point. "That was, That's all, that's all the soundbite that we have from inside. Trump and his lawyers also perused through a stack of papers in front of them as they waited for the judge. At one point, Trump pointed something to his lawyer on the papers and proceeded to hold them up vertically. Special Prosecutor Jack Smith was also there. He wasn't in charge at the table. He was watching because he's the boss. Smith was seated roughly 20 feet from Trump. And you know why we mentioned this and why it's important? Trump has attacked him. He's attacked him. He's attacked his family. He's attacked his wife. He has to have secret s- security now because of Trump's attacks. Now, he was seated 20 feet from Trump. He glanced over toward the former president at times, but otherwise looked straight ahead. At one moment, he put one arm up on the railing behind him. (laughs) I mean, this is what they're writing. He also was seen chatting with an aide next to him as they too waited for the judge. The judge entered the room at 4.15 p.m. and the arraignment began. And I'm still quoting, this is criminal case 23, CR 257, United States of America versus Trump. And aid to the judge said, as the proceeding started. Moments later, Trump raised his right hand and was sworn in. He he also stood up. I do, Trump said his first words during the proceeding. The judge then asked Trump a few questions. and Trump responded, yes. At one point she asked, and this isn't in this article, but at one point she asked, do you know the difference between a, a crime, a committing a crime? Do you know the definition of a crime? And he said, yes. That's apparently unusual because, and, and it may be because Trump likes to talk about the judges, et cetera, and, and threaten. And then it was something about she asked about intimidating jurors, so that that was kind of something that was reported in other on other news sites. After setting his next court date, August twenty eighth, the proceeding wrapped up. Trump exited the room, and within minutes, his motorcade was seen leaving the courthouse, where he was headed to the airport back to New Jersey. And Trump did a quick sound bite at the airport. Again, it was nonsense and full of lies, but I'm going to play a portion of it for you at the end of the podcast. Trump was reportedly irked that the judge at his latest arraignment called him Mr. instead of President. But she's not the only judge doing it, and here's the rule. After you leave the presidency, you're no longer President. Only the sitting President is. However... If it's informal, you can sometimes call someone Mr. President after they've left the office as a courtesy and as deference. So, yes, I've interviewed presidents who were former presidents, and as a reporter, I've said, thank you, Mr. President. I've said that to Gerald Ford and and a number of other, other former presidents. Well, so that's the end of that quote from the Hill article, and I'll include the link. It's um, just an amazing historic time. This is very important. Our democracy at this republic, we're at a crossroads, we're at a crisis. I'm not exaggerating. There's a lot going on where they're trying to thwart justice in this country. It's got to stop. Now, I'm going to end this, then I'm going to include two sound bites at the end of the podcast after I sign off. One is from Harry Dunn. He's one of the officers who was at the Capitol on January 6th, 20 20- 21, who was attacked, who who fought valiantly to save our capital and to save lawmakers and to save justice in this country and democracy in this country. I follow him on social media. He's a darling, dear man. I have nothing but respect for him. MSNBC interviewed him after the hearing. A lot of the officers have testified at the January 6th hearings. They've been waiting for the people who plotted the coup attempt to be charged. And finally, one was yesterday. So I'm going to play Harry, and I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. I might play a little soundbite from Trump, but I don't want to repeat his charges, his lies. The main thing he said, I'll just say this, is that he said Washington was dirty. It's not clean like it used to be when he was in charge. What? Washington is not dirty, okay? Washington, like any city, has problems, just like everybody. My sister's down south today. She just called me and Two homeless people are taking a bath on the street. We have problems in America. And that's one thing I want to say. We don't focus on our solving our problems. We're too focused on these criminals who've tried to destroy our country. There's other news ongoing, a lot of news. And I'll try to do a wrap up. But the next podcast I want to do is going to be on the unindicted co-conspirators. Who are they? But what is an unindicted co-conspirator? I will have all those answers for you in the next podcast. I'm going to try to do it soon. I've been really busy. got family. It's summer. <laughs> I'm Gloria Moraga, political woman. Please subscribe. Please support me. I just need support. I just like looking at numbers go up. And it's happened nicely on TikTok, but it has not happened anywhere else. (laughs) But I'm not giving up. And now, Harry Dunn. definitely was emotional, definitely was intense. Um, At one point, I looked down, my watch started going off. I looked at my heart rate. It was over 100 beats a minute. So uh, surreal, but um, surreal, but definitely uh, needed along the way for um, what we've been fighting for all along is accountability and justice. A very sad day for America, and it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C., and seeing the filth and the decay and all of the broken buildings and walls and the graffiti. This is not the place that I left. It's a very sad thing to see it. Uh, When you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So, if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Thank you very much. I'm Gloria Moraga, political woman. Please subscribe. Please support me. Be safe.